1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
3: More and more we are hearing tragic stories about the abuse of nitrous Oxide, and here to talk about it with us is Dr. Sterling Roberts, Program Director, Department of Pediatric Dentistry, and Assistant Professor at LSU Health Sciences Center, School of Dentistry. Uh, Dr. Roberts, welcome to the show.
4: Hi, thank you for having me.
3: So, Doc, uh, obviously, dentists use this uh, right as a kind of an, an anesthetic uh, in during uh, for the use of uh, during uh, dental. Um, procedures. If you would, for the benefit of the listening audience, describe um, the delicacy of of utilizing this product and the abuse of this product and what it means uh, out there in our community.
4: So to begin, as you mentioned, yes, we have dentists, both general dentists, Um, pediatric dentists, dentists across the board, um, we are required actually to have licenses to use nitrous oxide. Um, And we're using it in ways that are to reduce anxiety um, and to produce some type of analgesia, right? Allowing our patients to have a more um, acceptable and safe experience within our dental setting. And because we are using it in a uh, controlled setting, the amounts of nitrous oxide that we're administering to patients is within a set limit, Um and it's only for a set amount of time. So that is what keeps it safe, right? Allowing the patients to inhale the nitrous oxide and then inhale some type of oxygen um, so that way the remnants that are left within the body from the nitrous oxide don't have that negative or toxic effect.
3: So a very delicate mix, right?
4: Correct. We are monitoring patients also while we're doing it. So it takes quite a bit of not just um, experience, but also the knowledge of how much an uh, individual patient requires to reach a, or rather to achieve that like sweet spot of analgesia and reducing anxiety.
3: This relatively new phenomenon of this abuse of nitrous oxide, where uh, young adults and kids are able to get it in, in in many different forms, some that they refer to as called whippets, um, how dangerous is this stuff in this unregulated environment?
4: So the whippets are being used by. Children, young adolescents, or adults that clearly are not trained in understanding the guidelines or the reasons why we may use nitrous oxide. So having it in a unregulated concentration and using it quite frequently is what is leading to the effects of possible seizures, paresthesia, um, the lightheadedness, the disorientation, and the headaches. Um, along with those tingling feelings, because we're not getting any oxygen, let's say, in between or regulating it. So the persistent and constant um, exposure to the nitrous oxide is what is causing these detrimental effects, Um, especially that loss of consciousness that has been reported as well.
3: Is this, uh, just simply put, we're depriving the brain of oxygen when we're, utilizing this stuff
4: correct you are in essence um, having a type of hypoxia that's happening right hypoxia is lost so temporary lack of oxygen um, in the moments where you are inhaling the nitrous oxide um, and then the repeated use of it even if it's in a short time frame um, not being able to recover with the oxygen results in neurotoxicity damaging your nervous system um, and even having effects on how our bodies can um, regulate or even metabolize change vitamin d12 which is even bigger importance in our uh, neural system
3: expound on that forming if you would
4: great right. so um, your body requires um, B12 from the outside, right? Our bodies don't make vitamin B12. We get it from like different types of foods that we're eating. Um, And when we inhale nitrous oxide, it can affect um, the metabolic or your body's ability to metabolize and change that vitamin B12. So those who are using it consistently, right, um, they are even more likely affecting the ability for your body to metabolize uh, the vitamin B12, which directly affects your uh, neurovascular system. So without it, you end up having um, that deficiency, right? And then you get the paresthesia or the inability to um, have um, I guess you would say the neuro capacity that you need, like in your brain, because you don't have the um, correct amount of cobalamin or your vitamin B12.
3: So these whippets, uh, they come in little, I, I guess, canisters. They're used uh, uh, in order um, um, to mix with, uh, I, I guess, um, what is the. <laughs> the thing I'm thinking about uh, uh, um, whipped cream there. canisters whip cream, and yes. things of that nature. I, I couldn't I lost the word. Excuse me. Um, and they're being sold in some of these vape shops and stuff. And, you know, they they're obviously have a legitimate use in food, you know, food prep and things of that nature. Um, when, when we think about. Uh, how this is working right now. Um, Tulane University the other day found outside of a bar dozens and dozens and dozens of these whippet canisters. Um, It's got to be kind of frightening. I mean, there's there's been any number of anecdotal stories of uh, kids uh, uh, sucking down this nitrous oxide and losing consciousness and driving their car into buildings and into other people and things of that nature. Just uh, in kind of a haphazard way. Uh, Correct. what are you guys hearing, um, in, in, as it relates to this, uh, in, and is it discussed in the dental community as to the danger uh, of this and where we find ourselves with this most recent phenomenon?
4: So because it's so recent, um, I feel like we are still trying to grasp around what we as dental professionals, um, need to do in order to expound or like stress the importance of regulating the recreational use of the nitrous oxide um, because again as i mentioned we're using it under legal guides every one of Mm -hmm. us has to have a dental license and show that we have had experience in how to regulate nitrous oxide um so to see that it's being abused without any type of regulation um, is where i believe like we're trying to figure out how we fit in to get our legislatures and whatnot to recognize the importance of regulating it.
3: Yeah, I was reading a story out of St. Louis and, um, it was interesting. Um, you know, obviously a number of coffee shops use it, right? Um, for uh, putting whipped cream on their coffee and stuff, and, and over, yes. they, they, they looked at the purchase of a coffee company, a coffee store. Over a seven-year period of time, they purchased 51,000 nitrous oxide chargers. During that same period of time, a head shop um, located in St. Louis purchased 1.3 million mm-hmm. chargers. And I guess that gives you an, a, a, an example of the breadth and depth of the abuse of this substance.
4: Yeah, it's amazing that they are so able to, I guess, purchase it without knowing how many or how much um, the businesses are purchasing and also they're, what they're selling it for and who they're selling it to. So, the biggest thing I think that we, would be ideal is to make sure we're regulating and keeping track of who's buying it um, and limiting the amount that, let's say, a business can purchase. And then making sure that if we're not putting some type of, like, legality against it, then putting appropriate warnings on the canisters um, and the containers that have nitrous oxide. So that way those who are buying and purchasing and using it know the detrimental and sometimes even lethal effects of continuous use of the nitrous oxide in this way.
3: We're visiting with Dr. Sterling Roberts, program director, Department of Pediatric Dentistry and assistant professor at LSU Health Sciences Center School of Dentistry. Doctor, can we quantify how much neuro impairment um, is created by one canister, two canisters, three canisters are, you know, sucking down this, this substance?
4: Well, unfortunately, at this moment, I don't have any data um, regarding how much these or the exponential effects of the nitrous oxide, mostly because they're happening in settings where we perhaps are unable to note how much an individual has taken before they've resulted in, let's say, a... Lethal accident, or even in the hospital where they now have some type of paresthesia or um, irreversible brain um, lesions. So, I think when we are again regulating, we would have a better control of knowing who's using what and how much is being given. Um, that would uh, definitely allow us to do some further studies so we can assist in promoting um, the. Importance of regulating the use of the whippets or even the canisters and putting labels, let's say, on our um,
3: whipped cream. So there's not uh, there's uh, there's not a a kind of linear impact then of sucking down one canister, ten canisters, twenty canisters to to neuro
4: at this time, I do not have any data that says yeah. um, the exact amount that results in these type of impairments here.
3: But in your training, I, I would imagine there there is a an amount of this substance that causes concern if, you know, you were to have a, a mechanical breakdown or something in, in the mix of oxygen and nitrous oxide. While treating one of your de- dental paint uh, patients that you know you you would be uh, obviously concerned about
4: correct so for instance in our pediatric population um, we tend to administer um, nitrous oxide after flushing um, pure oxygen O2 into mm-hmm. a child's system and then we slowly, what we call titrate, or adjust the concentration of nitrous oxide. Um, we adjust it. Usually it's not more than 50%. Ideally, we would use it between 30 and 50% to receive the ideal effects. And even when we are using it in the medical setting, we're not using it for an extended period of time. And once that administration is completed and we're finished our procedures, we then again go ahead and flush the body with oxygen. So we are making sure that we are doing our part to help the body displace the nitrous oxide in the system back with the oxygen that was there before, which eliminates the um, effects post-treatment. And that's what makes it so safe when you're using it in the guides or under the guise of a medical professional. <laughs>
3: I guess it would be safe to say, though, first time out, too much and too short of a period of time, cause for concern, red flags.
4: Yes, correct. And then the fact that, again, the lipids are being used quite frequently in, like you mentioned, short amount of time, you're not allowing your body to even recover enough to, let's say, displace the oxygen, how we do in our dental setting. It's just being overloaded with nitrous oxide
3: yeah it's going to be um interesting to see where this goes whether or not there will be any new legislation to deal with this whippets are not new uh, but there's kind of been this resurgence i guess Uh, someone texted in and reminded me that they were selling whippets 35 years ago on bourbon street that's Mm -hmm. true uh, but you hadn't really seen this um you know uh, on the landscape for a long time and it seems that on college campuses across the country, there's been this resurgence, and you're getting more and more reports of, um, you know, disastrous things happening to folks that are driving while utilizing this substance and engaged in other activities as well. We'll try and uh, keep our finger on the pulse of this. Dr. Sterling Roberts, thank you so yes. much for joining us today. We appreciate your time and your insight. Mm-hmm. Have a great week.
4: Thank you. You too.
3: All right, folks, that's Dr. Sterling Roberts, program director, Department of Pediatric Dentistry and assistant professor at LSU Health Sciences Center School of Dentistry. This is something to be concerned about, something that you want to check with your kids. It seems as though it's readily available through any number of retail outlets. Um, Not good, potentially very, very dangerous. We'll be right back after the break. We'll visit with Arnie Filko, and we'll talk about his most recent uh, trip to the Ukraine. Stay with us.
0: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too.
5: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Arnie Filko, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. He's uh, visited Ukraine several times and has um, embarked upon a uh, new endeavor to help uh, the kids who are the victims of that horrible uh, war that's going on there and he joins us after he just returns from a recent trip there Arnie welcome to the show
2: thanks Noel I I very much appreciate it and um, as you say I just returned over the weekend from uh, five days in Ukraine and had some really interesting meetings and great perspective on what's happening right now with the conflict over there and uh, you know happy to talk to you about all of that
3: so obviously, you know uh, what the chatter has been here as it relates to the aid to Ukraine, military aid, that is. And uh, there's been this UN cry from the Ukrainians that things are getting um, are turning for the worse, I guess, on, on many fronts. Not all, but in, on many because of the, the lack of that flow of aid. What are you hearing from the Ukrainians on your most recent visit?
2: Um, the same thing, Noel. They the Ukrainians are fighting, continuing to fight, you know, really courageously and heroically. They are in the front lines of really trying to protect democracy against a, a very evil, bad government in, in Russia and Vladimir Putin. And they need uh American support. They they are getting pretty good European support, um, but they really need the sixty billion dollar Uh, supplemental funding that's sitting right now um, in Congress. And I I just saw the news flash just a a few minutes ago. They just finished the meeting in the White House. And, you know, right now it really is with the House Republicans. It's with Speaker Johnson to put this on the floor of the House and have a vote because I believe the vote will pass the Ukrainian funding if, if they put it on the floor. So I'm hoping the speaker, I'm hoping uh, Leader Scalise and others in the Republican Party will understand that it's it's American values and American interest to help Ukraine, to help them get to a place militarily where they can, you know, not defeat Russia, because I don't think that's going to happen, but that they can hold their own, they can be strong, and eventually, I believe if that happens, there will be a diplomatic solution that's fair and just. But right now, the ball is in America's court, and Ukrainians are looking at us and saying, please, you've been a great ally, we appreciate the support that you've given us, please get us across the finish line so that we don't lose the war. And I think Ukraine is you know, without American aid is, is at risk of, of losing this war, which would be devastating, not just for Ukraine. It'd be devastating for all of the European countries and ultimately would be devastating for America.
3: Um, you seem frustrated by the congressional process. I've been advocating for single-item bills up or down. Um, I know I would love to see a, a vote on Ukraine and Ukraine by
2: itself up or down. Where are you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this: you and I were both elected officials. Well, the political games that are being played in Washington right now are, are ridiculous, and they don't, you know, they, they don't represent the politics, you know, that I remember. Uh, whether you were a Democrat or Republican, they're, right now, you know, they're they're being held hostage by a very few number of people. And that's not in our best interest. So, you know, we should be putting a bill on the floor right now for Ukraine funding. Um, There's also, you know, bills for Israel. There's bills for Taiwan. Um, But Ukraine right now is at a desperate need. And unless we want to see American sons and daughters, you know, fighting there five years from now, 10 years from now, our best thing that we can do is help our ally that isn't looking for American you know, men and women to fight. They just need the munitions right now. And I just don't get it. You know, one of the misnomers out there, when you give aid to Ukraine, 90% of that money stays in the United States. We produce the ammunition here and yep. then send them to Ukraine and so that's helping our own economy it's helping you know a labor force there's a lot of benefits to that so yeah i'm really frustrated because i i've now i've been in the ukraine or in the region three times since the war broke out um i don't think people understand how bad putin is he is a war criminal he has committed war crimes and he won't stop at ukraine it'll be poland next it'll be slovakia it'll be the baltic states and if that happens the nato you know, a treaty requires us then to provide American soldiers. So we don't want any of that. What we want to do is give Ukraine the ability to be strong, to uh, even this thing out, maybe gain superiority, get to a negotiation table, and, and, and finally end this thing. You know, Newell, 30, you know, we talk in terms of money and politics and that, but what struck me is the humanity. 31,000 Ukrainians have died so far and many of these are not soldiers they were lawyers doctors teachers that when the call went out two years ago to defend their country they came and defended it and it's just heartbreaking to see any of that and I mean it's one of the reasons I'm very proud of the work we've been doing we've been advocating for Ukraine um, Uh, Eddie Hayes, who's our honorary counsel here for Ukraine in Louisiana is a phenomenal leader. We were both in Washington this weekend with thousands of people, you know, marching and rallying in support of Ukraine. And we just need to, we need to help them because they are our allies and we will save lives, you know, if we can support them.
3: You said something earlier that kind of struck me, um, are, you are the mindset that Ukraine cannot win this conflict or this battle because when the Ukrainians that I've talked to on this show, they don't believe that. They they believe they can eliminate the Russian influence, not only in the Donbass region, but in Crimea as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it is it certainly is the stated policy of President Zelensky and the leadership of Ukraine that – to get to a true resolution and, and negotiation, Russia is going to have to give Crimea back, which, you know, this is another thing that people don't know. The war didn't start two years ago. It started 10 years ago when when yeah. Russia invaded the Crimea and unlawfully took that land. Um, and, then, and then, of course, the Donbass, the area to the east of Ukraine. I, I, I will tell you, and again, this is – I'm not speaking with any governmental authority – but I did speak to a number of people, and, you know, I think, I think there is a deal there to be made uh, without all of that land necessarily being returned uh, to, to Ukraine, um, simply because of the fatigue factor, simply because at some point Ukrainians, like anyone, want the war to end. But there will have to be some regain of territory by Ukraine. Um, there will have to be some compromise On both sides. But if we don't put Ukraine in a position of negotiating from strength at a negotiation table, um, number one, they may never get to a deal. And number two, the deal that they would get to would be very harmful and very negative. And uh, I don't think that'll be acceptable uh, within Ukrainian uh, society. So Right now, I, you know, I hate to say this, but the pressure is on the United States and the pressure is on somebody from our own state of Louisiana, which is Speaker Johnson, to put this bill on, on the floor for a vote because I think the votes are there. It just needs to be voted upon. And uh, yeah. that's what's so frustrating about about what's happening.
3: How, how frustrated are Ukrainians uh, uh, with the the context that they're – purely fighting this war on their soil and they really have not taken an offensive action to bring it to the russians on their soil there's been a couple of incidents and every time uh, the reaction of the uh, russian population has been very concerning uh when you know missiles or bombs are are, are heave, heaved upon russians on russian soil
2: do you hear any yeah, conversation they're... about that yeah, you, you do hear conversation. First of all, they're very proud of the fact that, again, this is a, you know, a relatively small army compared to a Russia. And for two years now— you They've know, killed
3: over—I think they've killed over 100,000
2: Russian sh- soldiers. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I, look, Putin and Russia believed that this war would be over in five days. I mean, when they when they attacked in February 22, they thought Kiev would be surrendered and the war would be over. Well, obviously, that's not happened. And uh, the Ukrainians have shown themselves to be incredible warriors and very courageous uh, in protecting their own homeland. Um, So they take great pride when they do take the offensive. And they you know, they've gone a number of times across the eastern border, which would be the western side of, of Russia. and Mm -hmm. and, uh and attacked they have blown up a couple ships russian ships in the black sea uh through these incredible sea drones that they use um so yeah there there is a sense of, of pride but i will tell you right now and especially the last few days um it just appears that with lack of munitions you know russia is starting to gain a little bit of an advantage in some of these areas and you yeah. can't let that spread um and that that's the fear right now is that if without without the munitions and without the ability to defend yourself you know cities like Kherson and some of the cities um into the south that ukraine um you know took from russia last year you know could very well revert back so Again, I, I can only be one voice and you know uh, Eddie Hayes does the same thing to tell people that it, it, is, it is America's best interest to support our ally here. And that's not meaning that we, we don't deal with the border, that we don't deal with other domestic issues, uh, but we have to. I mean, those are important issues to the United States and Americans, but we don't have to give up our foreign policy in order to accomplish and solve the other problems.
3: We're going to get to a break here, Arnie. But when we come back, um, are, are you comfortable with talking about some of the similarities of, of reaching a solution here between Ukraine and what's going on in the Middle East? Yeah, uh, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Arnie Filco, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans, will be right back, folks. Stay with us. Folks, we're visiting with Arnie Filko, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. He just recently returned from a trip to Ukraine. He's been uh, engaged in a program to, to help children that are living in that war-ravaged country uh, right now. And I think, uh, Arnie, you adopted two Ukrainian children. My, both of my children are adopted. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we we adopted two beautiful uh Daughters uh, Svetlana and Yana in 2007 and from Ukraine and they've been the blessing of our lives. And really that's what got us, you know, so passionate about the country and, and, uh, and, and its people. And I just want to say, no, one of the things I'm really proud of is, you know, one of the reasons I was over there is we received a grant from a, um, a family foundation with Ukrainian background to help the Ukrainian youth. And we're bringing Really, dozens of Ukrainian kids to summer camp this coming summer. We're buying sports equipment. We're doing some sports competition. So, it, at least in my own personal case, it it allows me to you know bring together my sports background and my my love and my passion for Ukraine. So I'm you know I'm very proud of what we've been able to do.
3: Absolutely, I, I know everyone wants to find a a a, a positive diplomatic outcome here. I do see some similarities between what's going on uh, with Israel and, and Gaza, as well as what's going on here, um, as it relates to the territories of Crimea, Donbas region. Primarily, that's where you have a, a lot of Russian influence. What what is the solution in Ukraine? What would be acceptable? Because when you hear Zelensky talk, uh, it's like they need to be out, uh, and that Donbass the Donbas, is not up for negotiation, and they
2: want Crimea back. Well, in a perfect world, that's what should happen. I mean, Russia, you know, unlawfully invaded Ukraine and took the Crimea, which is a very strategic area because it's the southern part of the country on the Black Sea, which is where all of the maritime, uh, comes or not all of it, but most of it comes out of. And then the eastern part, the Donbass, is an area you know, with both Ukrainian and Russian ethnic folks. um, And, you know, in in a perfect world, both of those would revert to being part of the country of Ukraine. You know, my only feeling is I I wish that'll happen. Let it uh, let it happen, please. But if it can't happen, um, get us to a, a negotiation where some of that land is returned. And maybe there is some kind of buffer in the east um that can be uh, worked out and and let peace be restored to Ukraine you cannot continue to fight i, I will tell you there is a fatigue factor because these these are average folks uh, these are not many of them are not professional soldiers um and you know they they want to get back to to their life so yeah, i'm hoping sure. that a just resolution can be reached
3: what are the similarities between that area Uh, Ukraine, uh, Crimea, and and in that area, as well as in the Middle East, is historically uh, it has been uh, subject to a lot of takeovers uh, by the Muslims, the Turks, this, you know, the Ottoman Empire in both cases having a significant amount of influence. So there are a lot of similarities there, right?
2: Yeah, there are. I mean, it's, you know, the one similarity that that I, I would say is you have to look at who's involved. And, you know, and I, you know, many people have used the term axis of evil, which is, I think, a pretty good term. I mean, you've got Russia, Iran, and North Korea really serving as a, a, an axis of evil that is against Ukraine and killing Ukrainian people. And at least in the, uh, Iran's case, you know, really involved heavily in the Middle East with terrorist groups. Um, killing Jews and Israelis, and you know, I think we in the United States need to be very, very aware of that. Um, you know, the the situation in, in Israel and Gaza is, is complicated. Um, you know, the i will say this—the other commonality is the atrocities committed by Hamas on October seven, and the atrocities committed certainly early in the war by Russians against Ukrainians are are war crimes. I mean, they should be condemned by everybody. I mean, you know, you've heard the accounts of rapes and beheadings and just horrendous things that someday hopefully will be prosecuted. Um, But there is a real axis of evil there, Iran being at the center of it, Russia being at the center of it, that's involved in both of these conflicts.
3: Interestingly, there's been some discussion in the – Middle East that uh, the president said the other day that he thinks that there's going to be a, a ceasefire and release of hostages. Hamas came out this morning and said that's not necessarily the case. Uh, it seems that Netanyahu is hell-bent on getting into Rafa uh, and and bringing an end and cutting off the head of the serpent of, of Hamas um, and you know, we, we keep talking about the two-state solution, but who, who are you going to end up negotiating with? Because I think um, Hamas um, the other day made an announcement or, or uh, there was a Palestinian group that made an announcement that they're no longer going to be involved in, in the leadership or in the governance of, of Gaza. And it it seems as like this is getting more difficult from a diplomatic standpoint because it's like we're not clear as to who we are negotiating with. And then none of the Arab states, they all want this to be resolved, but none of them are really stepping up to really provide um, a landing place for Palestinians uh, because Gaza is Gaza's not a landing place anymore, right?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I think you've you've hit you've hit uh, the mark on a number of things. Look, I, all of us, and I, I am a you know I'm a member of the Jewish community. I'm very strong and pro Israel. Um, there are several things that we need to happen. N- number one, the hostages need to be released. I mean, Absolutely. it's been four it's been four months now. There's you know we think there's a hundred and forty some hostages. Nobody knows exactly how many are alive but the hostages need to be released for the benefit of humanity and their families. Number two is um, any, any person of any decency, it's very hard to watch what's happening um, in Gaza. It just is to see the loss of life and children and the suffering. Nobody wants that, but it's such a difficult situation because if, if there is any chance for future peace, Um, which, again, is the ultimate answer after 70 years of fighting, you have to have two things. Number one, you have to have a partner uh, on the other side that wants peace, okay, and doesn't want to destroy you, which is what Hamas wants for Israel. It does not want peace. It wants to destroy the Jewish state. And number two, you have to have bold leadership. Um, on both sides, both the Israeli side and the Palestinian side. And, you know, for decades and decades, there has not been a Palestinian partner that is willing to come and be courageous and say, we will live side by side in peace and tranquility with Israel. And on the Israel side, I have to say this as well. Whatever happens with Netanyahu and whatever the future leadership might be, um, if you really want peace, then you've got to find that pathway. But the first thing that has to happen is there has to be security, because from an Israeli standpoint, what happened on October 7 cannot happen ever again in the history of this world. And you have to have a secure border and, and people feel that like they can live in peace and, and prosperity. And if you can get that, then you have some chance for real discussion but right now we seem to be a long way from that Uh, maybe the other arab countries down the road when this conflict ends will play a role in all of that we hope so but right now you know we're dealing with a very difficult conflict that's been going on for a long time and a lot of loss of life
3: yeah you know and and i mean i think it's telling though that none of these arab states accept palestinians that are trying to flee (laughs) they won't (laughs) <laughs> I mean it's just amazing to me and and when you go back and look in history um there really isn't anybody that wants them in fact one of the most difficult items to negotiate was always where would they end up and and they're a victim of their own accord I mean because they're they they they've planned to assassinate leaders of almost every country in the Middle East Jordan Syria um problems in lebanon it's not only just been with israel right
2: no it's a a lot of these countries you take a country like jordan which has a significant palestinian population you know you know king hussein his father before that i mean they were very scared about um about radical palestinian about muslim brotherhood because you know it it really was you know um, an initiative that could overturn their their government. Same thing in, in, uh, the UAE and, and Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. I mean, there's a real concern among Arab countries about the radicalization and what it means to their own survival. So yeah, it's, it's very complicated. Newell. The only thing that yeah. I would say is this, is that it's been, it's been seven decades, almost eight eight decades since Israel was created. Um, For the benefit of both Israelis and Palestinians, at some point, hopefully in my lifetime, we could figure out some way where we could live together, we can live in peace, we can live without fear of, of attack. It may not happen today, it may not happen five years from now, but that ultimately has to be the solution to all of this. It was
3: interesting, Ambassador Crocker, I think, said this, that anytime someone calls you brother in the Middle East, watch your back. <laughs>
2: so, so,
5: that, somewhat yeah. telling. That,
2: that that might be the case. You know, there. Unfortunately, when you've had courageous elected officials, uh, you know Yitzhak Rabin and Sadat, you know who have who have who have said, "I I'm going to stand for peace." Unfortunately, you know radicals have taken their lives. So um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not sure you want to be called brother. That's probably not a good term right
3: now. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the work that you've done. The, the camp is going to be phenomenal, I know, because there is nothing that you do second rate, and we appreciate the same. Thanks, no, I really appreciate the time
2: and uh, the discussion. You take care.
3: All right. It's Artie Philco, former CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater New Orleans. We'll be right back. We'll check in with Ian Hoke, who's in for Scoot. Welcome back, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We covered a lot of different topics and uh, we'll continue to uh, do so for the remainder of the week. A lot of things happening up in Baton Rouge. We'll report out on some of that uh, as well. And... uh, Really enjoyed visiting with Janet Hayes director of Healing Minds NOLA today as well as Arnie Philco to get an update as to what's happening in the Ukraine All right, Ian Hoke is in for Scoot and um, he will be right. We got him Ian, what do we have coming up real quick?
5: Hey, no, no, I'm here. We're gonna talk bunkers. We're gonna talk libertarianism
0: and more stuff All righty, stay tuned Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
6: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.